It's been about six months since I started the Bells and Whistles Theater, which is kind of the creative home of this podcast now. It's where I release all the upcoming episodes, extra scenes, and standalone short stories. I'm working on my second short story now. And if you're curious about how things are going with the podcast, if I will keep podcasting, uh, and if I am able to survive as a creator, I have just published a free episode of my In the Wings Behind the Scenes podcast, where I discuss um, how I feel about the Bells and Whistles Theater in the Lesbian Romantic Podcast and its future right now. So if that interests you, go to patreon.com slash lesbianromantic and sign up for free, and you'll have access to that um, episode of my behind-the-scenes podcast. All right, let's get to this episode. I've got some personal news. I'm moving. I am leaving Ghent. If you thought that was never going to happen, so did I. But I am moving to a whole new, different city. It's smaller, actually. It's not the city where I was born, Antwerp. It's um, it's probably the last place in Belgium I thought I was going to end up. So yeah, more about that after the show. Welcome to the Lesbian Romantic Podcast. This is Connection Revealed, Part 16. September 21st, 2063. Region 6 of the American Desert, New Mexico, North American Province. 8.25 a.m. Local time. Jade pressed her lips together firmly to prevent herself from gaping in disbelief. Becker had unlocked the pod's door and now a woman with curly hair was climbing inside. Jade took a step back, leaning against the terminal. Becker shot her a warning glance. It was clear that she wanted Jade not to interfere. Jade shrugged, indicating she'd not get involved. She was too stunned to utter a word anyway. Becker had adamantly refused any help from the rebels for hours, but now had had a sudden change of heart. Jade had no idea why, but she suspected that the arrival of the curly-haired woman must have something to do with it. All Jade knew about the woman was that she was called Lucas. The leader of the Fire Blue Rebels also went by the name Lucas. Jade found it hard to believe that their president would be out here like this. Could they be related? What was even more peculiar was the fact that Becker and Lucas seemed to know each other. Lucas had addressed Becker by her first name while still outside, causing Becker to turn as pale as a sheet. Jade couldn't imagine how it was even possible for these two women to know each other, let alone address each other by their first names. Her mind was in total disarray, unable to make sense of the situation. She just stood and watched. Hello, Michelle, Lucas said, running a hand through her curls and removing her sunglasses. Her intense gray eyes scanned over Becker before settling on Jade. She smiled, 
Jade's throat tightened as she forced a thin smile in response. All the excitement she had felt about meeting the rebels had vanished. What are you doing here? Becker demanded, her eyes ablaze with anger. Close the door, Lucas replied, gesturing towards the open door. This heat is unbearable. Becker shut the door and stepped back, shooting a quick glance in Jade's direction. Is that a real scientist? Lucas asked without looking at Jade. Yes, Becker said before Jade could say anything. Leave her out of this. Lucas's eyebrows shot up. Are you sure? Because I'll find out if you're lying. Go ahead and check her out, Becker snapped back. Now Jade's eyebrows raised in surprise. I'm a real scientist, she blurted out, feeling silly. Lucas slowly turned her head to face Jade again, locking her gaze onto hers for a long moment. Finally, she spoke. Okay, I believe you. Why are you here? Becker asked again. Lucas met Becker's angry gaze. I came to see you. You were being unreasonable. Your people refused to leave us alone, Becker retorted angrily. Why don't you just all leave us alone? And let you die out here? Lucas asked haughtily. If you had stayed away from us, we could have easily made it out of here in time, Becker countered. Jade watched the exchange with bated breath, feeling certain now that these two women had met before. She had a hunch that there was much more to the story. She just couldn't quite figure out what that might be. You know, we couldn't let you come near that border, Lucas said, crossing her arms. We weren't going to, Becker pointed out. In fact, we weren't even moving when your people surrounded us. Lucas nodded. We thought you were in trouble. We came here to help. Now you're contradicting yourself, Becker said triumphantly, taking a step closer. How did you even find out it was me? You know I can't tell you that. Lucas replied after a moment, looking less sure of herself for the first time. She briefly glanced in Jade's direction again, but Jade avoided her gaze and looked down at the terminal instead. You need to come with me, Lucas said. Both of you. There's no other way for you to escape this storm. Not happening, Becker immediately replied. We need to get out of the storm's path, Lucas continued. You won't make it without our help. We can cut ourselves free, Becker said. Just leave us and we'll be fine. Jade's heart started thumping even faster. She didn't know how fast the storm was approaching, but she was sure they were running out of time. It was becoming increasingly clear to her that they wouldn't be able to free themselves in time. Jade couldn't help but wonder how she had ended up in this predicament. They had been sitting in the middle of the desert for over eight hours. She couldn't help but question why she had allowed Becker to make such foolish decisions. You're not thinking straight, Lucas said. Jade had to agree with the rebel. Something had influenced Becker's judgment ever since they had left the base. Her mistake had been to let herself be intimidated by the commander. Figuring out why was something she would have to do later. Leave, Becker repeated. Lucas stepped close, getting into Becker's personal space. Don't let our history affect your judgment. You're not alone here. 
the scientist will die too. Jade's lips parted. Lucas had just confirmed there was a history between the two women. And it was clearly personal. Extremely personal. Jade's mind nearly exploded with questions. Something started to build up in her chest. I think you came here because of our history, Becker hissed. So I don't think you get to lecture me. Stop, Jade yelled, finally fed up. The two other women looked at her, surprised. Just stop this, Jade continued angrily. We need to get out of here. She locked eyes with Lucas. Can you help us? I can, Lucas said. She pulled something from her pocket and tossed it onto the ground. September 21st, 2063. San Francisco. Fire Blue Territory. North American Province. 8.55 a.m. Local Time. New message! They're on the move! Anjali said, jumping up from her chair. Louise opened the message, scanning its content. They took the scientists with them, Anjali read out loud. I see, Louise said, also reading. Well, that's a hot mess, she sighed after she finished. I guess we knew this could happen, Anjali shrugged. No, they still could have left them behind, Louise muttered. At least it seems they're not on their way to the server part building, Anjali offered, leaning against her desk. True, Louise said, getting up as well. But where are they going? They've not shared their alternative destination. Anjali frowned and tilted her head. That is odd. She looked at her feet. It feels like they excluded us from this mission. It's a whole new mission now, Louise said attempting to conceal her renewed anger. And we're indeed no longer part of it. Where will they take these people? Anjali asked. Louise's shoulders slumped. She had no idea what Elle's plan was. Her mind felt sluggish and overwhelmed, and she still hadn't heard from Elle. Given the way the situation was developing, she doubted she would hear from her anytime soon. I have no idea, Louise replied honestly. Anjali scratched behind her ear. I guess we should be happy they'll all be safe soon. Louise gave a slow nod in agreement. Anjali was right. The safety of her team should be the priority. Her emotions and ego were telling a different story, though, and it was not a pretty one. Look, I'm exhausted, Louise said. I'm going to the break room to take a nap. Wake me up when you hear anything new, okay? Got it, boss, Anjali said. September 21st, 2063. Border of Fire Blue Territory, New Mexico. North American Province. 9.10 a.m. Local Time. Michelle groaned as memories flooded her mind, one after another. She had an urgent feeling that she needed to wake up, but she couldn't shake the images no matter how hard she tried. Her eyes just wouldn't open. 
The most alarming image was that of a pair of gray eyes staring at her intently. A voice echoed in her mind, repeating the same phrase over and over again. Michelle, you need my help. Michelle attempted to move her arms, but found herself completely paralyzed. Suddenly, a different pair of eyes appeared before her. They were brown, and Michelle recognized them immediately. Her body filled with rage as she stared back at Louise. But it wasn't the weak Louise she knew so well. This was the Louise that Michelle had seen on a satellite video call the last time they spoke, when Louise had refused to come home and faced the consequences of her treacherous actions. I can testify you ordered me to fabricate evidence to implicate the Fire Blue Rebels. Louise's voice rang in Michelle's mind. Michelle heard her own voice next. As if someone will believe your word over mine. She let out a groan and tried to move her head from side to side. She needed to wake up and escape from this terrifying experience. But she felt like she was trapped inside her own body, still unable to open her eyes. Hi, Michelle. No worries. I'm sure we can accommodate an extra rebel. We've actually welcomed quite a few new people recently. Lucas's voice had returned, filling her mind again. Michelle tried to scream, but her voice was trapped inside her. You need my help, Michelle. You need my help. You need my help, Michelle. September 21st, 2063. Border of Fire Blue Territory, New Mexico, North American Province. 9.15 a.m. local time. <coughs> Elle coughed as she regained consciousness, feeling a wave of nausea wash over her. She looked around frantically, trying to get her bearings. Easy there, a familiar voice said. Elle turned her head in the direction of the voice. She tried to widen her eyes, but they felt heavy and unresponsive. Finally, she recognized Carmen. Don't try to fight it, the bodyguard said. You'll feel better when you wake up next time. Elle's voice was barely recognizable to herself as she asked. Everything went as planned? Carmen nodded. We got all of you and are on our way. We should be fine. Elle let her head fall back, feeling the weight of exhaustion pulling her back into darkness. She groaned not wanting to return to that place again. Heavy arms seemed to envelop her and pull her back to her nightmares. Don't fight it, Carmen said again. Just give it a bit more time. Elle took a deep breath and surrendered. She knew the drugs in her system would take her to another nightmare, but she had no other choice. Another questionable decision to face the consequences for later. But first, more bad dreams. This was part 16 of Connection Revealed. So about this move, it's a big step. I am moving to Bruges. Now, Bruges is a small, very charming, very picturesque, very beautiful city 
in the west part of Flanders. And Flanders is a part of Belgium, if you can keep track. We're a, we're a tiny country, but ah, so many parts, so many different local governments. It's a, Anyways, <laughs> I'm moving to Bruges and um, yeah, it's a whole new start, a whole new beginning. And I'm excited about it. So why am I leaving Ghent, the most beautiful city in Belgium, maybe Europe? Um, I think I was too addicted to the city. And I think it's time to face that. Um, everything had become a habit, like going outside for coffee, going to my regular places to work. It had all become a habit, something I did automatically. And I noticed I couldn't relax anymore at home. I always had to be out and about. I always needed the energy of the city. So this new house we're moving into, it is not in the city. It's, I guess you could call it the suburbs. <laughs> and um, so it's a lot more quiet. There are fields all around. It, well, not all around, nearby. Lots of nature or more nature at least than in the city. So it will, it will definitely be the, the quietest place I've lived since I left my, uh, my mother's home. Um, and I might get very bored. I might. But I want to experiment. This is an experiment. For at least two years, I'm going to live there. We are going to live there. And I'm very excited about it. And I'm very curious to find out what I, uh, what I find out about myself without this city I am so in love with and so addicted to. So yeah. Bruges, it's, it's actually the city most tourists visit. If they visit one city in Belgium, it's Bruges. It really is beautiful. Um, but it's so touristy. Actually, the quote I used in Worth the Risk about the park closing, so that Ghent was like a city closing, a, a, a theme park closing. Um, if you listen to Worth the Risk, you might remember that quote. Um, that's actually something I got from Bruges. Um, a story that I heard about Bruges, that there were tourists asking locals, when does the park close? So just to give you an idea of <laughs> what Bruges can feel like. It's, uh, it's going to be, again, a whole new beginning. I'll, I'll, I'll share what it's like. So that is all for this week. I want to thank everyone around the world who supports my work. Thank you. And uh, I will see you soon. Take good care of yourself. Be well. And uh, see you in the next episode. Bye.